Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we ask that you would give us your grace to worship you this morning. Lord, that we would remember that we are singing to you, not for our own edification. And Lord, that you would be with the preaching this morning, that I'd be able to present the message very simply and clearly that you have laid upon my heart. And Lord, when it comes to the time of invitation, that we would be willing to be obedient to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We ask you to bless each part of the service, the special music, the offering, that all would be done to glorify thee. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's remain standing for the next song. One of my little phrases I've come up with over the years to try to illustrate, help people understand this, is that if everything was actually in the Bible that everyone said was in the Bible... There'd be no library in the world big enough to hold the book. Uh, I mean, people say all kinds of things are in the Bible that aren't there. And really what we want to do is we do not want to teach the Bible uh, in the fact that we make the Bible conform to us. We, I hope and pray you're here today because you want to be conformed to what the Bible teaches uh, that was really what the Sunday school lesson was all about with Cain and Abel, was Cain tried to conform God to himself. didn't work very well for Cain, now did it? And, and it won't work for you or any other person that tries that approach. And we're going to start reading in verse 13. Uh, this is a verse they, they love on TBN and some of these other places. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Now, that verse is in the Bible, and it means exactly what it says, but it doesn't mean what everybody else says it says. Amen? And we're going to be examining that today, and let's keep reading. Notwithstanding, ye have well done, that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now, ye Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice accepting, acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, the context of these two verses, verse 13 and verse 19, which everyone likes to take out of context, is giving. This is what Paul is talking about. And I will tell you, we make no apologies for this. Uh, from before there was an open-door Bible Baptist church, as my wife and I were just praying that God would use us to open the doors of this church and see this church established, uh, my desire was that this church would be a giving church. And, and I want to tell you something. God has done that. God, God has made this church a, a giving church. And, and we had a real part in the offering at Heartland this week, we were able to raise over the million-dollar goal. Uh, I'll tell you what, I was uh, somewhat uh, pessimistic in my outlook as, as uh, I talked to some of the other directors, and uh, uh, they divide the country up into different areas, and, and uh, my responsibility is the Northeast. And so I, I was talking to Brother Kerry Nance from uh, the Southeast, Florida, and I said, how are you guys doing? He said, not good. How are you doing? I said, not good. And talked to some of the other pastors and was like, wow, this is not going to happen this year. And it did. Praise God. And you say, why is it so important to raise so much money for the school? Well, every student that goes to Heartland gets right at a 40% scholarship tuition. Now, stop and think about that. 
let's see now. How many Heartland students do we have in our auditorium? Just raise your hand here. Uh, you can raise them high. Nothing to be ashamed of. Amen. And uh, we also have uh, Brother and Mrs. Newberger, uh, our graduates of Heartland. Uh, Sonia, Franz's wife, went to Heartland. I'm not sure if she graduated or not, but I know she attended there uh, several uh, years. And uh, also Andrew uh, graduated there and wants you to pray for him. He's a community Baptist this morning. And uh, he has made the same announcement, will be making or has made the same announcement to them that we made here last Sunday that uh, he's seeking to become the pastor of that church. And I want to challenge you, one of the reasons I'm talking about this this morning is our church is being asked to give in a way that we have never given before. And uh, somebody says, give till it hurts. Well, I'll tell you what, this hurts. Uh, And uh, we're trying to see and know God's will. You see, the Bible, Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. And uh, if you've been around the church, you know why that is true. It's not because you feel better about giving. Uh, That's the worldly philosophy. The reason it is more blessed to give than to receive is because you first must have something to be able to give. Amen? Uh, God has blessed you so that you have something that you can give. And... uh, We want to understand these words. I can do all things. What's Paul talking about? Paul's talking about serving the Lord. You know, Paul wrote this letter from prison. He said, I can do all things. How? Through Christ, which strengtheneth me. And this morning, I'd like to challenge our church. That this, Andrew and I, obviously have been seeking the Lord's will on this a long time before we made any announcement to the church. And uh, it may seem like an all of a sudden, but uh, there comes a time where you have to make the announcement and then you have to do it. And uh, the church there, a community, will be voting on June 2nd, holding a business meeting and... Uh, I will actually be out there uh, on that day as I'm serving as the interim pastor there to uh, oversee that business meeting and help the church through that time. But I'm I'm really hoping to uh, get rid of a title here. Uh, not that we would uh, get rid of any responsibility. We'll still have to oversee things and help them just like we're doing at Union. And uh, I'll tell you, even Brother Davis, we turned him loose in 2013. And uh, I still get a call, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I'll tell you what, I love that. Uh, it's just like somebody says, when your kids grow older, it's better, right? Because they don't have so many problems. No, they have bigger problems. But I'll tell you what, as dad, I always uh, appreciate the phone call when it says, we got a decision to make, dad. Can you give us a little counsel on that? that that's that's what it's all about. Amen. And That's the way God wants us to do things, is it not? God wants us to rely on him. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. The reason we don't do things well is because we're not depending on the strength that only Christ gives. And he goes on to talk here in these verses here about the Philippian church and how that they had sent offerings to help the apostle Paul on his way and And they had just sent an offering to him. And if you'll read the entire book of Philippians, you'll find out that the offering that Epaphroditus took was not sufficient to meet Paul's needs. And when Epaphroditus saw the needs that were there, he began working. And the Bible says he almost worked himself to death. But you see, that's not how God wants us to give. The Bible says that God healed Epaphroditus. And Paul says here, listen, I've received everything and I am full. One of the things that was just wonderful about participating in that offering at at Heartland was knowing that our church had done everything we could possibly do 
Then we stretch it a little further. Several people put some very nice gifts in the offering toward that May offering, and we were able to add to uh, our participation by, by that. And uh, that, that was a wonderful thing. And I'm sitting here going, boy, I hope we meet our goal. But I had the confidence that, hey, we've done our part. And other pastors and other churches came in and individuals and all of a sudden the goal was met and exceeded and people are still giving. In fact, we have several churches that said we're going to participate, but uh, they're just nonconformist, I guess, like we all are at heart. I'll, I'll give you the money later. And so we'll find out. But praise the Lord. You see, it is doing the part that God has for us. It's being obedient to the Lord. And when we're obedient to the Lord, we're going to find out that God will always give us the strength to obey Him. Can we say amen to that? And then... We get to verse 19, and it says, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, what I want us to do here is we have kind of dealt the meaning of the text here and a little bit on the application side, but now what I want us to do is is dig a little deeper, if we can, is to actually look through this and see what the Bible says. And I'd like you to... Kind of just stick the bulletin in here, Philippians chapter 4, or ribbon in your Bible if you have one, and we'll uh, come back to that. But would you turn with me, probably the best known, uh, most well-known verse in all the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16. And and we're going to look at God's example, or God's attitude in giving towards you and I. Uh, I mean, there are reasons why we should give to the Lord And one of those reasons is we are to look at what God has done for us. Uh, John chapter 3 and verse 16. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something this morning. If you have this verse memorized, as many of us do, uh, I still want you to look in your Bible and read it together with me out loud. We'll just read the whole way through the Bible. Try to follow my cadence here. And uh, we'll make it like a choir, but we're just going to read the Scriptures. Here we go. For I'm sorry. Yeah. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God so loved the world that he gave. Abraham put it this way in Genesis 22, God shall provide himself a sacrifice. That is Jesus Christ. He is not part of God. He is not a lesser being. He is not created. Jesus is the very God of gods. He is part now, there, see, there we go again. He's not part of the Trinity. He is a member of the Trinity. God has chosen to reveal Himself to us as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God the Son offered Himself in our place through the eternal Spirit to God the Father that we might have the forgiveness of our sins. Can we say amen to that? God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. Could could I challenge you that as we talk about being a giving church, as we talk about this thing of giving, God has set the standard high. Ultimately high. And God gave His Son. Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not His own Son, but delivered him, delivered him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? I have met so many people as a pastor over the years that have 
expressed disappointment in God in not meeting some need or not taking care of a problem or not giving them something or providing something. In fact, much of our prayer life is uh, concerned with saying, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. Now, we need to understand something. That is not the way that we should approach God. In fact, we often, hopefully, unwittingly, unknowingly accuse God of being a miser, of God holding on to His resources and not caring about us and our suffering. Did you hear the words that I just read to you? If He withheld not His own Son, it says but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? What more could God give you than Jesus Christ? What greater gift, what greater expression of love could God show to us than he already had by sending Jesus to die in our place? I mean, Sunday school. Innocent always suffer because of the sins of the guilty. Jesus is the only truly innocent one in this entire universe. And he suffered for us. Don't ever get over salvation, my friend. Don't ever get past the understanding that every sin that I have ever sinned, the punishment and the burden of that sin was placed upon Jesus and it did not sully him. I love the song my wife wrote many years ago, God is still holy. He bore our sins, but it didn't stain him. It didn't mar his righteousness one little bit. He was able to maintain his holiness and his righteousness as he assuaged, as he paid every ounce of the wrath of God. The old preacher in North South Carolina put it this way, that the infinite God, I mean the infinite God was able to suffer in a finite period of time, one day on the cross, what it would take every sinner in eternity in hell to accomplish. That's how much God loved you and I. Do we understand that love, that giving? Do we really? I mean, I have met people... Over the years, and I'm trying not to think of any individual, certainly not no one in this auditorium this morning, but I have met people over the years, and they'll just, oh, I just can't get over how much Jesus loved me. I mean, just tears dripping on the floor. The next moment, the words coming out of their mouth was so anti-biblical, you'd have to think that they had a direct connection with the devil himself. I'm telling you, and it's not, an, it's, I'm not thinking of one person. I, I am, uh, this has happened multitude of times in the over 30 years that I've been in the ministry serving the Lord. Emotions is not what we're looking for here. What we're looking for is an understanding of what God has done to show His love for us. And if you ever get a hold of that, it'll change everything about you. We just spent a little time on Sunday night going through the 23rd Psalm a couple weeks ago. David put it so succinctly. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on. I shall not want. I will not lack anything I need. That's what the word want means. It's not... uh, I won't want anything. Hey, our sin nature wants all the time. But I'll tell you, the love of God toward us is so infinite, so caring. Uh, I I just have to. Every time I talk about it, I think of my preacher, Roy Thompson. He said, he knows everything about me. 
and he still loves me. I'll tell you, that is what God has given for us. That is God's attitude toward giving. Now, God has some desires. He has some attitudes that he wants to implant in us uh, about our giving for him. You know, the most wonderful thing about a godly marriage is that it's a two-way street. That I am so thankful that my wife is willing to put up with me. But you know what makes it so wonderful? She thinks that I have to put up with her too. And that's simply not true. She never, no. uh, Everybody is a human being, amen? But I'll tell you this, when it's a two-way street, you're not thinking about what you're putting up with. Could we get that attitude toward God? would like that attitude. He would like that great love wherewith he has loved us to be reflected back toward him. Amen? And if we're going to get this idea, let's turn to Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 20. I have got the wrong reference here. I am sorry. The reference I'm talking about is the rich young ruler. And uh, he came to Jesus. And he uh, was asking Jesus, he said, Good Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, Keep the commandments. I'll I'll look up the reference there and give that to you later tonight. Let's not worry about it right now. And he said, Master, I've kept all the commandments. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't committed adultery. He says, what do I lack? And here's the important part of this conversation. The rich young ruler was answering for himself, answering for you and I today, that keeping the commandments wasn't good enough. Because he had done it. And what did Jesus tell him? He said, sell everything you have, give it away to the poor, and follow me. You think that's why Paul said as he was surveying the Corinthian church, he said, not many wise, not many endowed with this world's goods. Not, uh, you know... Sometimes it's a little easier if you have nothing to give it away, like the widow with the two mites. Uh, she, she could give it all because even her all was worth nothing. You know, we're, we're always trying to hold on to something. What, what are you holding on to? Is not Jesus worthy of everything we are? This is the attitude that he has. And I've met so many people over the years, and I say, well, Pastor, didn't God give me a brain? Doesn't he want me to think about things? Absolutely. But what he would like to have happen is when we engage our thought process, it comes up and it equates with God's words. That we agree with the Bible. Let's turn to Luke chapter 14, if you would. And we've been through this passage several times, and, and uh, we won't uh, go through it complete in its completeness today because we're just trying to help illustrate a point here. Luke chapter 14, verse 25, it says, And there went great multitudes with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters 
yea, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Get down to verse 33. So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. This is Jesus' teaching. The attitude toward which, the attitude which he would like to see in us toward God. Now, people stumble at, at that verse. I remember one time I uh, tried uh, in vain. I just could not get the, the people I was preaching to to understand this verse. Uh, they were talking about, uh, uh, it was a family camp, and, and so uh, I preached on how to hate your family, the Bible way. And uh, the problem was, there was a lot of people that in, in that church, just like in every church, that had problems. Uh, they, they wanted to obey that verse. Uh, you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know my kids. I mean, I, I, I have no problem with that. Well, excuse me, that's not what Jesus is talking about. Hello? And I've met people that, oh, oh, pastor, I hate myself. That's not what this is talking about. All of those things are fake pride. You know, it's like the people... Uh, I go back to some of my roots in the Grand Old Opry country music. Well, you know, we only got one song tonight, so we'll sing it first. Liar, you've been practicing the 20 songs for the last 20 years and sold a million albums. Don't, don't get up there and false humility and tell me that you haven't practiced. You don't need to. Uh, you've already done that. I mean, come on. But we do the same thing, do we not? Hey, let's, let's get an understanding. How do I hate my own life? Well, the pronoun there is my, possessive. How many of you know a person you could think of right now that if you could, you would alter their behavior? Now, come on, raise your hands. Every one of us knows somebody that we have a relationship with that if we could, we'd change a few things about the way they behave. Isn't that true? How many of you have, don't raise your hands on this one? Please. How many of you ever got it accomplished? That through nagging, manipulation, uh, Teaching, imparting wisdom. You were able to modify someone else's behavior to match your expectations. I'll tell you what, it didn't turn out good, I promise you. And it never can because you're not God. Could we understand something if we are going to give to God the way we ought to? We've got to stop pretending we're God in our own life and the way we interact with others. That's what this passage is talking about, is I gave up on my life. I am so glad I gave up on my life. When I was 16 years old, I had it all planned out. I was, I was making, actually making the contacts through the principal of my school to try to get a hold of our local representative and see if I could get an appointment to the United States Naval Academy. I wanted to be an officer in the Marine Corps. Uh, we had, we had already start, I, I, uh, my principal had already made the preliminary contacts and, and things and that had to happen in my junior year in high school, uh, if things were going to be in line and, Something happened during that summer. I was in a revival meeting at our church. And the preacher preached on being a preacher. It was just like the Lord said, Are you going to give up your life and take my life? Or are you going to live your life? And I went to my pastor at that time, 
Dr. Smith and talked to him. And he said, let me tell you something, Pete. He said, if you want to know what God's will is in your life, you just get busy serving where you are. And God will change your desires. And I'll tell you what, came time, the principal came and said, do you want me to write that letter? Are we going to do this? And I said, no, I think I'm going to be a preacher. And she said, oh, that's wonderful. I knew that's what God wants you to do. I said, well, I don't yet, but oh, I didn't tell her that, but I'm thinking that. I, I don't know that yet, but uh, that's the direction I'm headed. And uh, I think both the Marine Corps and the ministry have benefited uh, by the proper decision there. Uh, because they don't need somebody that doesn't belong there. And I don't need to be somewhere I don't belong. You see, that's what Jesus is talking, if you're going to be his disciple. Do you remember how you got saved? If you're here today and you are saved and you know you are, you did exactly what this passage is talking about. You gave up everything. But so many of us as Christians go back and pick up right where we left off and try to serve God with our own efforts, with our own life, and try to change other people to fit. Hey, you know what? I have met some people and they were exactly right in what they wanted other people to do. But the problem is, if a person changes because of you, they're not changing because of God. Are we together on this? You see, only God can change the heart. And my job is to get out of the way so that God can do the work. That's how you get saved. By the way, what you do to get saved is how you live for God every day. That's why Jesus said you've got to bear your cross. The cross was an instrument of death. We're going to start on... Uh, Thursday nights here, uh, we just started a, a series on the Old Testament tabernacle and worship in the Old Testament. And the overriding theme of everything that goes on is the death of self, the end of me. And when I finally surrender, look with me to Luke chapter 12, if you would. Luke chapter 12, verse 29. And this is what we call the Sermon on the Plain. We'll be talking about a little bit the Sermon on the Mount in just a minute. It says, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, and your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. Look at verse 32. It's a verse we skip over most of the time. Fear not, little flock. It is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in the heavens that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You see, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Amen? If God has given Jesus to pay the price for our sins, what in the storage chest, the treasuries of heaven, would not God be willing to part with if he parted with his own son? Hello? We've got to understand that most of the things that we spend our life trying to get, God already wants to Give us what we need. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The reason I have all these things I want is because I am not giving the Lord the rightful place as, his, as my shepherd. Then we get here to God's desire. As the rich young ruler approached, Jesus said, Give up everything you're holding on to and seek me. Now let me ask you a question. 
if you could truly have a relationship, a personal living relationship with Jesus Christ, would you have need of anything else? Could you have need of anything else? I like to ask the question, if Jesus moved into your living room, would things change? We would hope they wouldn't. If you really want to see people act weird, just get out a video camera and let people see it. And they'll change their behavior. Better be careful. I'm on tape. How many terrible things have been said into a microphone that they thought was closed? I mean, even some of our presidents, some of our good presidents said some really terrible things, things that we would never think they would say. But we know they did because we caught it. Jesus is living inside the person He is giving us His Spirit to fill that place that was left vacant when our spirit died in our father Adam. Oh, that's a scary thought, is it not? Now, let's go to Matthew chapter 6, and then we're going to go back to Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to try to tie this thing up. Matthew 6, of course, is the Sermon on the Mount. And we have been through it several times, different ways over the years. But Matthew chapter 6 starts talking about giving. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. And alms is, is your giving. Verse 3, but when thou doest alms... Let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thy alms may be in secret, that thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. Listen. God says when you give, you're not to give in such a way as to draw attention to yourself. We skip on down to verse 12 here. And this is what people have wrongly called the Lord's Prayer. This is the model prayer. This was Jesus teaching his disciples and those that would follow him how to pray. And verse 11 says, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We read down to verse 14. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses... Neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, those are some pretty incredible words, are they not? It says, if we cannot forgive others their hurts against us in our direction, God's not going to forgive us our sins against Him. You see, this attitude in giving, God gives us Forgiveness, but that forgiveness is not meant to be held and stored inside of you. That forgiveness is meant to reach out to the world in which we live. You know, true Bible forgiveness is only found in the Scriptures. You know, every other false religion in this world offers a way for you to pay your way out of your sins. Have you ever thought about that? I mean, one of the most ridiculous and unbelievable forms of this is radical Islam that says that if you kill the infidel, you are, uh, uh, by shedding their blood, you are getting rid of your sins against Allah. I am so glad that God doesn't exist in this book called the Bible. You say, but if I just forgive them, they'll get away with it. Uh, Excuse me, God is still holy. How about you let God take care of who gets away with what? And you stop worrying about what everybody else is getting away with. And you start worrying about your sin debt to God. Amen? How about we start worrying about our offenses? Toward God and understand that no human being can hurt me 
can do against me what I've already done ten times over against God. That's what this passage is talking about. You talk about the greatest gift that God gives us. Is it not forgiveness for our sins? Let's look on down here to verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know, I only have to talk to you for a couple of minutes, ask a few questions, and I can pretty much guarantee where your heart is. I know I'm around someone whose heart is in their grandchildren when five minutes go through the conversation. Hey, you want to see a picture of my grandkids? And, uh, okay, you're going to show your pictures. I'm going to get mine out. I mean, we have a battle of the pictures here. Uh, I mean, you talk to some people, every other word is money. You talk to some people, every other word is some kind of self-gratification of some kind from the utterly profane to uh, whatever they happen to find at the restaurant. Or I mean, I, I get so tired of these Yelp reviews, but when I'm traveling and I'm looking for a place to eat, <laughs> okay, four stars, three stars, zero stars, okay, maybe we'll go for another place, but... Or we'll do the old standby. We'll go to Wendy's or McDonald's, right? Uh, you know it's going to be something. Uh, you know what you're getting. But anyway, let's keep moving here. It says that we're to lay up treasures in heaven. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I've often been asked why I care about Heartland so much. Well, it's very simple. I've had six of my children graduate from that college. I have no greater gift to give them than students. And uh, let's see, at this point, two son-in-laws came from that college as well. And uh, many of the people that we minister with today are from there. Hey, that's treasure, my friend. That's why my heart is there. Why is my heart into missions? Because I give. I give by faith. To missions, And I'll tell you, my heart is there because that's where my treasure, my treasure is here. I've invested 26 and a half years as the pastor of this church. I can't help but love this church. This is where my life is. You want to belong? Well, how about you start investing too and all of a sudden your heart will be here. And you know what happens when two people put their hearts in the same place. They get along with each other. Huh? You ever you ever think about it? Jesus said, they'll know you're my disciples by your love. You know why? Because if my heart is in Jesus and your heart is in Jesus, we've got nothing to disagree about. The reason we have disagreements is because our heart is in what Martin Luther said Jesus said. Or the Pope said Jesus said. Or uh, Muhammad said Jesus said. And none of them know what Jesus said. Because in order for their message to become distinct and different, they got to vary from what Jesus already said is recorded in the Scriptures. Did you make that jump with me? You see... We come down to verse 33, a verse we often quote of chapter 6 of the book of Matthew. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You know what? God wants us to have what we need to serve him. We call our building the miracle on 35th Street because it's a miracle that we're here. Uh, if you don't know the story of Union Baptist Church and the miracles that happened so that they could be even meeting in that building right now, uh, you need to study those things. God's still in the miracle working business. And, and our prayer is that God will keep the doors of Community Baptist Church open because it's His church, not ours. 
If that means we got to give up uh, Andrew, well, then we do. Now, I told him, I said, just because you're going out there doesn't mean that 10, 12 years down the road you can't come back here and we can... We, it, that doesn't change our long-term plans. It doesn't have to. But we're going to put those plans in the hands of God, not in ours. You see, that's what giving is, isn't it? You see... I gave my life to Jesus Christ when I got saved. Let's head back to Philippians chapter 4 here. In August of 1977. And I am so glad every good thing that has happened in my life is because I surrendered to God's will. You know, I, don't th- I can honestly stand here and I said, I've done so very few things for God on my purpose. They've all been His purposes. I have surrendered my will and I said, uh, 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 Lord, we'll just do what you say. And the Lord has led us in paths, paths that I never would have dreamed. My dad was a blue-collar worker, was a machinist. One of my cousins asked me, did you ever think that coming from the humble life of our family, that you'd be in New York City pastoring a church and doing all those things. And I said, never, ever did I dream it. If I'd known about it, I'd probably quit a long time ago. Scared me to death. But you see, when you surrender to the Lord, then He gets the credit. And He's the one. So let's go back to Philippians 4. Verse 13. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Can I ask you a question? Do you understand a little more what Paul was trying to say? When he's talking about all things, he's talking about getting rid of me. He's talking about me reflecting to God that same attitude and that same spirit of giving that God gave to us so that we could be saved in the first place. And just like God, once God gave us His Son, what more could He give us? What in the world am I doing holding on to? Fill in the blank. I need to surrender it to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? And He will provide. It's good to give. I'm thankful I uh, I hate the word pride. It's the greatest uh, uh, sin that is recorded in the Bible. I, I just really get uncomfortable when someone says, aren't you just proud of your son? He graduated. And no, I'm pleased with him. I really am. But there's nothing to boast there. If you know Stephen, it's a miracle of God that he graduated. Amen. And if he were here today, he'd say, oh, Dad, you're so right. But I'll tell you, I was so pleased to represent Open Door Bible Baptist Church at Heartland in the May offering. Because people did what they could. And they allowed us to be a part, a real part. You see, our missions giving is important. And when everybody gives the way they should, you know what? We shouldn't be giving. And and let me tell you something. The way you give here at church, nobody knows what you gave except the secretary at the end of the year. And and that, that prints out the tithing records and me because I have to sign them. And I do my best not to remember anything because I'm, I'm good at playing dumb. Amen. It's a gift. Natural talent. You see, we come down here, but my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will supply our needs as we're honest and careful, as we are willing and willful. In our giving. Do you understand what I mean by that? We willingly give, but we give on purpose in agreement with this book called the Bible. You see, 
when we allow God's spirit of giving to us to be reflected back to God in the way that we live, that's worship. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you and we ask that you would help us to understand these things. That the only way that we can truly understand how much you have given to us and for us is by our being willing to give what we can. Lord, we pray for our church at this time. We're going to be giving a great gift if Community Baptist and we believe that they would accept this gift as we offer them a pastor. And Lord, we just ask that your most perfect will would be done and you would give us strength and you would supply the needs that are going to be here when Andrew leaves. But Lord, more importantly, on a very special and personal basis, we we will never get there as a church until we get there as individuals. Lord, we'll never have that giving spirit until we surrender our reason and our understanding to see what truly you have done for us. And then we ask you to help us emulate that same spirit of giving back to you. Lord, I pray that everyone in this auditorium would be saved. And yet, Lord, I know that that cannot be the case. Lord, we have people that have attended for years and years and are not saved. Lord, we just ask that you would work in hearts, that they would let go, even this day, of everything they're holding on to and trust only in Jesus. Lord, we pray for those that are visiting here today, that you would work in their lives. Lord, I pray that you would work in the heart and life of each member who has already professed faith in you, followed you through baptism. That you would help us to live these verses that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. That we can do whatever is necessary to serve you by your strength, not ours. And Lord, that you would open our eyes to see that you have already given us more than we need to serve you. And, Lord, that we would be satisfied with serving you. We ask you to work in each heart during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Leland and come and lead us in the hymn of invitation. 301, only trust him. Let's stand together.